0: You're new to Element. Welcome. There are Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on the communion tables around the room. They look like this. On the inside, you're going to get just a kind of retrack what we talk about today. Some questions to go a little bit deeper. If you talk to your friends, your family, your gospel community about it. On the back, you get the verses we're going through, and then a place to take some notes. If you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. You click on More, and then Events in Uversion will come up by GPS in your smart device. You will get. Sermon notes, questions, announcements, all that goes with today's message. But before I have you stand with me for the reading of God's Word, um, on Friday we have a guy named Craig Stauffer. Uh If you've been to like any of our things where someone has barbecued, uh, you, Craig is like one of the guys who, who does that. On Friday night, Craig goes into the ER. He is unresponsive and nobody knows why. They've done tests at this point, but he's still unresponsive. He's in the ICU. I don't say that for you to reach out to Joanna, his wife, and, and try and inundate her. What I say that is, I want us as a church to pray for him all right? Because we, we don't know what's happening. We haven't really gotten an update today at this point, but we all love Craig. Uh, we want God to be glorified in whatever happens in this. But, you know, Craig's kind of really near and dear to our hearts. I'm not saying I wouldn't ask to pray for you if something happened to you, but Craig is really near and dear to our hearts. And so we want to pray for him as we start today. And for you, if you're taking notes, write that on the back of your notes. Just pray for Craig and Joanna Stoffer. Because you know, this is really kind of a trying time for them, and we'd really like to see God do an amazing work here, whatever that is, that He would be recognized in what He does. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word, and we'll pray for that as we start. This is Galatians 3.3, 3, and it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So let's pray. Uh, Father, the first thing we do today is thank You for the life that You have given us, that we get to know one another and be in relationship with each other. And as we go through the words of the scriptures today, we ask that you would help us to learn, but you would have us be a people who are moved in our hearts and our lives to remember those around us who are in need, especially Craig this morning, who is going through something and we have no idea, the doctors don't seem to have an idea right now of what is really going on, but you do. And so I ask that in the midst of what's happening, that you would be glorified, that Joanna would be comforted, and that you would do your work in Craig's life, even at this moment when he is unresponsive, because it's in the places where we don't know what is happening when you are typically seen most clearly. And so we ask that throughout this, you'd be seen most clearly, uh, that you would have the doctors figure out what's going on, and again, that you would just comfort that family in the midst of what is taking place. Amen. Have a seat. All right. So we are doing the New Testament book of Galatians. This is chapter three. We finished chapter, so yay, we're moving on. Uh, This is double digits in chapter 10. And I told you before that when I go through books in the Bible that I'm going to teach to you, what I typically do is I will go through that five, six, seven times in my own personal quiet time. So probably two, three years before I ever teach it to you, I have been going through a particular book. And what that helps me to do is kind of lay out the book and how I'm going to teach it and how we're going to walk through it. And I did that with the book of Galatians, but I wasn't able to kind of write it out how it was going to go. And so what I started to do is say, okay, God, here we go. And I just started writing the book. And that's why sometimes I'll go forward, I'll jump backwards, and I'll move forward something and then come back. Paul kind of does that as well. But it's really kind of more of a movement of the Spirit for me than anything else I've ever taught you. Not that when I lay something out, it's not Spirit-led, but this is really kind of different for me. And you see Paul do this. As I said, Paul will get to chapter 3, and he'll still be referring things he said all the way back in chapter 1. And he keeps talking about the gospel. Why does he keep talking about the gospel? Because we are a people who are so prone to forget it. As much as I get up here and tell you every single week about what the gospel is, we tend to forget what it is. And forgetting the gospel makes us self-centered. And it makes us start to think that all the changes that God has brought about or is bringing about in our lives is because of us and our own self-discipline and our own strength. And nothing could be further from the truth. Our salvation and growth and life change come through God's work through His Spirit in our lives. So you have a Bible open to Galatians chapter 3. If you're using one of the ones at elements on page 631. I had a friend of mine last week after we talked about justification, he says that was a lot. You kind of lost me in that. And I said, okay, I'm really sorry. And I'm not saying I'm going to dumb down today at all, but I'm going to dumb down today a little bit uh, just to maybe help give you some different metaphors that might make this connect a little bit better. Because when we talk about the Spirit's power, a lot of times people go, oh, the Spirit's power, what does that mean? Well, let me talk about this. So, When I was thinking along the lines of what we're gonna talk about today, I read this older story of a guy who loves basketball. I don't watch basketball, I'm not a basketball fan. It's just kind of like back and forth, back and forth, hoop, back and forth, I, I, I don't really get it. But this guy wrote this story that he said that, at one point, Kobe Bryant and Magic Johnson had a game where they played against one another. So years ago, Kobe Bryant comes on the scene. He is the new thing. Even I have heard of who Kobe Bryant is, right? He comes on the scene and he is just like the new thing. He is like, goes this first all-star game, everyone's like, this guy's the greatest. And it being so much so that Kobe Bryant thought that he was the greatest. So as this writer talks about this, he said, there was a game that Kobe and Magic played against each other on opposite teams for a charity event. They became friends at one point and they say, okay, let's do this. And so. You know, Kobe gets the ball. He's coming in, and he and he waves off all the people. He's like, I got this. I can I can take on that Magic Johnson without you. As it said, he's on the wing. I don't know what that means, but he was on the wing, and he's coming down. He's dribbling, and he waves everybody off, and he goes up for the basket. And Magic Johnson just swats him down. And if you are over forty, you're like. Way to go, way to go. Well, what happens here, you know, Kobe's the star, Magic is the the seasoned veteran, and the young guy who is so sure of himself, so sure of all of his abilities, just gets swatted down, gets a reality check. And that's what Paul is gonna do for us today. He's gonna give us a reality check. Smack, swat down, okay. Galatians chapter three, verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians, smack, right, smack. Now, what happens to us typically in our lives is we have been offered forgiveness and love and grace and restoration with the God of the universe who has come to us and called us to Himself. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And yet so often we end up like Kobe and we say, I can do this, I got this, I'll do it all on my own. And when we do, we fail miserably at our lives. Now this can happen in two different ways. First off, sometimes we think we can earn a righteousness before God on our own. We say, I didn't miss a Sunday at all in two years. I read my Bible every day. I went to Thailand on a short-term mission trip. I got a t-shirt that says Jesus Christ instead of Coca-Cola. Oh my goodness, I must really be holy. And we fail to recognize our righteousness before God is not in our deeds. Our righteousness is in Christ alone. That's what we talked about all last week in Justification. Now, we tend to think that our works somehow make us more righteous. A lot of times we will say, I trust in Jesus, but we don't really trust in Jesus. We trust in our own works. And Paul says, you are acting like Christ died for nothing. See, Jesus died to bring us into God's presence, to restore us to God. And we, by many of our attitudes and lack of grace towards others and ourselves, Paul says, we'll nullify the grace of God. We're out of step with the gospel. Now, the other side of this, who people don't think, I don't need a righteousness really at all, because you know what? I don't need Jesus. I can make myself happy. I will find the fullness in my own life. I'll find my own way. And then typically what happens is people's lives melt down. And if they believe in God, they blame God for their life melting down. If they don't believe in God, they're like, yeah, see, this is why the universe or whatever it's just terrible and it's all out to get me. And people tend to double down on their unbelief. And what Paul says is both approaches are foolish because Paul is just dumbfounded at the Galatians' attitude. How does he start his letter? It's like referring back to the very beginning. Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul says, it blows my mind, basketball terms, that you would make this type of trade. Okay, whatever. Instead of intimacy with God, with the God of the universe, we want to double down on ourselves. And many times we'll do this, not even realize that we're doing it. We run from freedom and back to our chains. And so many people live a life that is just a mess. And they keep thinking, I will hit my stride. I will figure this out over the horizon, over the rainbow, just that next thing. And everything will come together. One preacher I love called this a bit of psychosis. It's a bit of psychosis. We ruin our lives because we think we're so smart. We want more and more, try new relationships, really try anything, and it just doesn't work. And we keep betting ourselves on ourselves, thinking we are the answers, and we keep losing the bet. And yet we refuse to surrender our lives fully to the person and work of Jesus Christ. I mean, many times we'll say we love Jesus, but we don't really live that way. We think our own righteousness is what is going to make our lives work, psychosis. It's all about me. Last week, right before Paul gets to these words, Galatians 2.21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And then he says, oh, foolish Galatians. And it just walks right into the other. So we've got to ask ourselves, in the spaces of our lives, are, are we a people who are waving God off, or are we surrendering more and more to Him in our lives, where people see and where people don't see? And I think it's easy to come and maybe sit in a church service like this and sing a couple songs or listen to a couple songs and, and, you know, later it'll get a little dim in here and you'll pray and think about who God is and say, yeah, I want to be sold out to Jesus. But if we're honest, the culture that we live in makes that hard. We start to simply adopt the culture that we live in and start to live in the same way. Like towards the end of the 20th century, there became this thing where people started to say, We don't believe in miracles or heaven or hell, what we really think the purpose of religion is is to help us live good, decent, moral lives. I know people who call themselves Christians and doubt what the Bible says whenever it disagrees with them. I have people argue with me that all we really know about Jesus is that he was a teacher of love and ethics. And I'm thinking, that's all we know about Jesus? Uh, Last year, Amy Grant, large Christian music artist for a very long time, she did, I'm not going to go into it, but she kind of did something and someone questioned her on it and her response is, well, Jesus just told us to love God and love others. Like, well, when Jesus says that, he's summarizing the law. He is not trying to destroy everything that God said. And today, what most people tend to do is they go to church for spiritual help. Like last year, there's this song that came out, larger Christian hit. Th- these are the words, and people just love this. These are the words When my troubles are a little too heavy, who can I turn to to share the weight? When my mind is cluttered and cloudy, who can I turn to to clear the way? Who can I turn to? I turn to you. It's like, I'm doing just fine on my own. I'm living my life and oh no, something's too heavy. Something's too weary. I reach over in the, in the God bag, get the God Red Bull. I drink it down. Now I'm okay. Now I'll keep going. It, this, it's just like what? When life is too heavy for you, that's when you turn to God like he's your co-pilot? God is not your co-pilot. He's your co-pilot. You're in the wrong seat. God's not your water boy to come and bring you your Red Bull. He is the God of the universe that we surrender our lives to. Today, when people tend to go to church, we want to encounter God and we do it for a type of spirituality to make us feel better, a change of consciousness of some sort. Like today, we don't typically want the guiding and leading of God's spirit as he convicts us and leads us into new things. And we all want to live lives where we say, I got this, I got this. I don't need any help. And we start to just feel more and more empty inside. There is a... A book we go through sometimes an element called Redemption. And in the middle of the Redemption book, the guy asks this question. He says, if you got to heaven and you, all your family was there and your friends were there and you really had everything you thought that you wanted, but Jesus wasn't there, would you be okay with that? And I think if we get really honest, most of us would say, oh, yeah. That's because we use Jesus many times to try and get the things that we want rather than worshiping Him for who He is. And Paul addresses this. And he will really talk about this all throughout the rest of the book of Galatians. And you're thinking, well, I'm not coming back then. No, (laughs) he talks about this the rest of the book. He says, if you want to understand true spiritual power, what reality is more than just merely an ethical life, but a spiritually powerful life that's found in the person of Christ that takes all of what God said into account, here it is, Galatians 3.1. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What do we call that? The gospel. The gospel, that's the gospel. You're an element, come on. I mean, it's going to be Jesus or the gospel, right? It's one of the two. Paul says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So, a couple things Paul teaches here. First off, you can receive the Spirit. You can do that. As a matter of fact, Paul says, Did you receive the Spirit? That's a rhetorical question. He assumes that they did receive the Spirit. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the Spirit of God, period. Verse 5, he says, He who supplies the Spirit to you. The reason we capitalize the word Spirit there is so people don't get like, what does that mean? Because in a lot of religions, you hear the Spirit of God or God's Spirit, and it's just like a force. It's like a magic potion you tap into. But in the Scriptures, we know the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person. We call Him the third person of the Trinity. And when we say the third person, that's not about preeminence or power or anything like that. It just helps us to understand better. He becomes, one writer says this the divine resident of the Christian's heart he is a person Jesus says this in John 14 verse 16 I will ask the father and he will give you another helper the word another and another helper it means just like me there are two words in Greek for another. One is this word called hetero, which is it's like me, but it's, it's different from the former. It's like um, it wasn't me who ate the cookies. It was somebody who maybe was human, but it was, it was not me. And the other Greek word is this word called alos. And alos means just like the former. And what Jesus says is the spirit is just like me. He is God. He is personal. He is alive. Second Corinthians three seventeen: The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when the Bible talks about the fact that Christians have the Spirit, it goes way beyond what most people think about. I was reading a few commentaries on this, and they all said, if you want to know the secret to spiritual power for a Christian, you spend time getting to know the one who is within you now. And a big part of spiritual growth of the Spirit is to come to grips with the knowledge of who He is as He leads, as He guides, and we listen to where He takes us. Uh, Tim Keller likens it to The Hobbit. And I know geeks just love this, uh, but in the the book The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, he gets this thing called a chainmail coat that's made of mithril. (laughs) Now, in the Lord of the Rings, later on, he gives this chainmail coat to his nephew named Frodo. And Frodo kind of becomes the hero of the story. He puts on this chainmail coat and just kind of hides it underneath his old clothes. So one day, he's walking along with his companions, and one companion says to the other, Bilbo was a very rich man, and in spite of how rich he was, he had one thing that was worth more than everything else he owned. Many years ago, he was given a mithril coat what, a mithril coat? Now, a mithril is the most valuable and precious metal. It's like 100 times stronger than anything else, 100 times lighter than anything else. And when the sun hits it, it's just beautiful. So this one guy says in disbelief, what, an entire coat made of mithril? And the guy says, do you know how much that's worth? That would be worth more than every bit of property in that man's entire country. And Frodo is kind of astounded because he's walking along wearing it underneath his old coat, something of greater power than anyone knew. And this is what you as a Christian have with the living spirit of God in you. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, you receive the spirit. And sometimes people say, oh, that's nice, I got the spirit. Nice? Really? Really? You're a Christian underneath your old flesh, walking around. You have something, someone, someone of greater value than the whole world. And we should be staggered by that, that God would deem to come and live in us through His Spirit. J.I. Packard says, it should melt us with spiritual understandings of the glory that has come to us. And the Bible says, if you're a Christian, you surrender your life to Christ, you have the Spirit. And that should stagger you. So the second thing is, unless you receive the Spirit, you're not even really a Christian. Paul says this, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? The NIV will say through human effort. It's like you were saved by God's Spirit and what He did, and you felt Him in those moments where He was leading you, and now you're trying to do everything on your own. What does having begun with the Spirit mean? It means unless you have the Spirit, you haven't even begun the Christian life. And I know some people come from religious traditions who say, uh, they'll be like, oh, Christians over here with the Spirit, these are Christians over here without the Spirit. No, no. If you don't have the Spirit, you are not a Christian. You start the Christian life when the Holy Spirit comes in and brings us back to life. And this is why Paul says it is so important to understand how we live in God's power and grace. It is not by what we do, it's by what has been done for us. And I want to take up a lot of time with this, but this is kind of an historical phenomenon in some ways. In the 1600s in the church in New England, they believed it wasn't enough to say, oh, I believe in the truths of Christianity. What they called it was you, you had an experience of grace. And that means that God's spirit comes in and your life actually began to change. And you couldn't even be a member of the church unless that was kind of shown. Your life had changed. And this wasn't about Christian ethics. It's about walking with God's Spirit as He changes us. And they believed that you had to be, you know, born again in order to be a member of the church, but you also had to be a member of the church in order to vote. So really what's interesting is you weren't a citizen unless you were a Christian. And this is what an early Christian commonwealth looks like. It got, got kind of weird at times. Uh, so husbands and wives, they would they were Christians. They would show up, they'd raise their kids. And after about 40 years of this, they started to realize what most people realize. They'd have seven, eight kids, which is normal back then, not today, but back then, and only half of them would be really converted, would say, I want to follow Christ. The others could be nice people, moral people, but they weren't really coming into the church because they weren't converted. And since they weren't converted, then they couldn't vote. And by around 1660, about half the people in New England couldn't vote in elections. So you're like, whoa, it's, you, don't, you don't learn this stuff in schools. So in 1662, what they came up was this thing called the halfway covenant. You can Google it, not right now, but you can Google it. It's really, it's really interesting. And the halfway covenant said, well, you don't really have to be converted or have an experience of grace or anything like that. And I want to be careful because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. But what I'm telling you is there's always been this tremendous pressure to move away from Galatians 3, that it's the Spirit that does a work in us to move us to Christ. That just be ethical, be nice, go to church, figure it out. That's that's what God wants. No, God wants you to be someone who's been reborn by the power of His Spirit in your life and then God brings change into our lives that way. And Paul says, unless you have the Holy Spirit come into your life, you haven't begun to be a Christian. Paul believed that when someone follows Christ, their life begins to change. That doesn't mean that tomorrow it looks completely different. If you are someone who struggles with an addiction, it doesn't mean tomorrow you don't struggle with that addiction, but it means that sometimes really, really slowly, God begins to do a work in our lives. And guess what? I have seen a lot of you God do a work in your life. Sometimes it's slower than I want, but it, He does a work in your life. And this is why it's good to be f- in friends and community with other people who love Jesus and follow the gospel because they can see the change in you and they can tell you about it. I don't know if God's really working. God's working, trust me because I see it and it's amazing when He does. See, the Holy Spirit's not about tongues or laughter or these bizarre things. What the Holy Spirit starts to do is He transforms us with the love for Jesus. And as we understand who Christ is more and more, our lives begin to change. I don't want to make you nervous or question, oh, do I have the Spirit? If you're worried about it, you're fine. You're okay. You're in good shape. But you look at the Galatian Christians. Paul is saying, this is how you were converted. You trust in Christ's work. You trust in God's Spirit moving and changing you. Don't move away from that. Trust God as He moves you forward. So the next question becomes, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand the gospel? It's like, well, I hear you talk about it every week. Great. Do you understand it? Because the instrument the Spirit uses to transform us into deeper understanding of Christ's work is the gospel. The Spirit moves us to understand the gospel. Galatians 3.1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Again, what is that? The gospel. Right there, the, the good news. The Galatians didn't live in Israel. They didn't see Jesus crucified. So Paul says, before your very eyes. Now, Paul doesn't say before your eyes, he was seen as crucified. He says portrayed. And portrayed means like it's put up on a billboard. If you are someone who is on social media, say Instagram, and you're scrolling through, you have ads that pop up sometimes. Or even on Facebook, I think it does it. I don't know. I try not to, ugh, social media. Uh, but you know, you go through and these ads pop up and it's like a graphic ad. Well, this word means graphically. It was graphically portrayed to you. Paul says, I graphically showed you the story of Jesus Christ why does Paul say before your eyes because that is an ancient way of saying that you understood it as it was portrayed to you Ephesians 1:18 Paul says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you this is what the holy spirit does he helps us to begin to understand the gospel Paul comes to the Galatians he did not give them a series of rules and regulations he tells them a story he tells them the story of God that is the gospel the story of Jesus living and dying for us Jesus crucified so their hearts would be enlightened. If you have kids and you don't know how to kind of talk to your kids about this, you should pick up this thing called the Gospel Storybook Bible. It's, it's a Bible for kids. And I have it, adults tell me as they go through this with their kids, they learn the gospel so much better as well. So grab one of these. And how this works is it's having the eyes of your heart enlightened is when something just kind of clicks when you start to get it, it becomes real to you. And I got a great example of this, uh, Michael Reed. All right, Uh, a lot of you guys know Michael Reed. He does a lot of stuff around Element. If he was gone, we would just fall apart. (laughs) He's not Jesus, but you know, okay. Anyway, uh, so Michael had a bunch of friends over the years who got married. They met other people. They get into this joy and the celebration, these relationships, and they get married, and he's really excited for them. But he gets into his 30s, and he's wondering, you know, does God have singleness for me the rest of my life? Uh, he's he go, I'm okay if that's what God wants, but okay. And so when his friends and family got married, he's excited. He's part of those celebrations. And then all of a sudden, he meets Hillary, and he falls in love, grows into love, whatever, And then he gets married. And all of this excitement and all these things he's heard from other people, all of a sudden they now become real to him. I can can talk to him about uh, frustrations in marriage, about coming back together after, you know, you were so angry and, and laughter together and sadness together and all these hard things together. And it's something to hear about it, but now he's married. And now in a relationship like that, he starts to understand. It's now become real to him. And that's what Paul is talking about. The Holy Spirit comes in and it makes the gospel real to us. Because there are sometimes things will happen, you will empathize, you'll get it, but there's a moment it becomes real. Like buying a house, right? A lot of people rent homes and they go, this would be what it's like if I bought a house. No, it's completely different. Like uh, when you buy a house, you get this thing called a property tax statement. And every time that taxes come through or these, these measures come through, you want a bond measure. And everyone who doesn't own a house is like, sure, bond measure, great. When you own a house, you get your property taxes and that bond measure is put on your property taxes. Like this is different. It becomes real. You stop voting for this stuff. Uh, maybe it's, it's having a baby, talking about, and, and all of a sudden you have a baby. It's completely different. Maybe it's getting your driver's license. Maybe, um, you know, you, you talk about Craig in, in the hospital and maybe it's, it's a loved one dying, you hear about it and then something like that happens. There's a moment where it sinks in and it becomes real. And this is what Paul means before your eyes. What he's pushing for is, here's what happens when you become a Christian. You may think you know all about Jesus, that He died on the cross for your sins, but at a certain point, one writer says, it becomes beautiful to you. What He does just becomes beautiful. It becomes a place where what we know about Jesus then moves us to a place of humbleness and awe. You know, sometimes people will talk to me about this. A couple months ago, I'm talking to somebody on the patio, and they're like, I've been in church my entire life and talking about Jesus. Here you talk about the gospel all the time. And in the last couple months, It's sinking in and I'm getting it and it's so real. And I always wish I could record conversations like this and play them for you because that's what Paul is talking about. Even when we talk about sin, it's one thing to say, I know I'm a sinner. It's another thing when you understand the gospel and you taste that sinfulness. It's one thing to know Jesus died for you. It's another thing in the end to see what he did and what he went through and how much he actually loves us. And Paul says the spirit of God is what makes that sink in. In, and we stop saying, I got this, because we know we don't got this. John Stott, when he comments on Galatians 3.1, he says what's so fascinating is Paul doesn't bring advice about Jesus. He brings news about Jesus. Paul does not say, here's what you have to do. He says, here's what's been done for you. And it's only the story of Jesus that gets that across when it's graphically portrayed and we find our hearts going out and our heart sees and it trusts and it moves greater towards Jesus. And so the question then becomes for the Galatians and for us is, do we believe? Do you believe? Galatians 3.3 out of the NIV says this, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Observing versus believing. What does it mean to believe? Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing? Well, the word believe, it means to trust. And to trust means you stop observing the law. That does not mean we stop being obedient to God, but it means we stop trusting our morality or trusting different laws to save us. Paul says, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? See, the power that Paul is talking about is not just when you believe that story, it's how the story then comes and impacts our lives, what the story brought. Because this word here to attain your goal, that word actually means complete. You are looking to be completed by all these things that you're doing, but it is only by the power of the Spirit of God bringing you into relationship with Jesus Christ that completes you. And we say, Jesus has completed me. Uh, we, we sing this song. Now, we're, we're not going to sing it this morning. Michelle said no to me, whatever. Uh, but we sing this song sometimes with David Crowder called Lay Down Your Burdens. Well, that's the burdens of trying to attain on your own because that is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Keller once wrote this You have not believed the story until you realize I've been trying to complete myself and Jesus has completed me. Jesus is the one completes this. The whole point, especially verse 5, does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe? The ESV will use the word faith. That is the word for trust. And that is written in the present tense. Yes, we have believed in Jesus when we come to trust him for our lives, but it is continuous. It's do we trust him today? See, we don't receive spiritual power by trying really hard to put ourselves or our lives together the, the right way. We only live in and receive the spiritual power when we see the point of Jesus dying on the cross, graphically portrayed, so we begin to understand it. So again, we stop saying, I got this. And the Holy Spirit not to be like magic and kind of swat us down. Many times, a lot of people get really, really religious and they will think, I'm doing all the right things. It looks so great. I'm going to do this on my own. No, we need to see instead that Jesus has completed us because of what he has done. That's how we become complete. That's how we become Christians. That's how we live and receive God's power. And sometimes I will talk to some of you guys, and you will say this thing like, um, I feel like something's missing in my life. I've been a Christian for, you know, this many years, and I I just feel like something is missing. When someone says that to me, I always want to go, that's the Spirit of God drawing you It's it's not that you're missing something, that is God drawing us deeper into relationship with him so that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so we'd want to walk closer to him. It's bringing us to a place where we want to love who Jesus is, to understand what the gospel truly means better, God's rescue over us. And if you have said that or you continue to say that, that is God's spirit drawing you even then and even now to a deeper, fuller understanding of what the gospel is. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful because God moves and works even in times and places that we don't see it. And this is one of the reasons that every single week we come to this place of communion because communion is a reminder of what Christ did to save us. And the Holy Spirit makes that real to us. That, de- that doesn't mean you have all of it at one point, like, oh, I understand it all. It's that the Holy Spirit continually through our lives moves us to deeper and more readily understand the gospel. I was talking to, I, think I was talking to Judy Lees like about a year and a half ago about this. And she goes, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about the gospel all the time. And she goes, and it's, and it's amazing because, and it's like, yeah, that's what the spirit does. He just kind of keeps moving us deeper to understand. So the eyes of our hearts are enlightened more and more what the gospel is. And this is why at Element, we talk about it all the time. Because it is the Spirit's work revealing the gospel that will bring change into our lives to grow closer to who Christ is. And again, if you are someone who has never trusted in Christ with your life, today is the day. Today is the day. Because he wants to rescue you and bring you back into your relationship with God through the power of the gospel and what he has done. And today, if you would like to take communion, do that with a reminder that he has rescued, that he has saved us, that he has brought us to himself because he is the one who is good. And the more that that is revealed, the deeper in love with Christ I think we become. And if you need prayer, like maybe you've never trusted in Christ with your wife, there's gonna be people right across the way in the lounge. You can go during the songs, you can go after service is over, but they love to pray with you about who Christ is. If you are someone who says, I really wanna understand who Jesus is better in my life, I want that, that love for Christ. Well, they'd love to pray for you about that as well. If you have any questions, they, they can answer those questions for you as well. Uh, we are people who give because God gave so much to us, giving as part of our worship. We do not pass a plate. That's why there's offering boxes around the room. You can give online, but we give as a response to what God has done as we understand the good news of the gospel. And I encourage you to take those sermon notes and the questions that are in there and talk to some of your friends around you this week about that, what it means for the Spirit to grow as and to understand and maybe the different places in your life where you are understanding what the gospel is better and better and you have a deeper love for Christ as your life tends to go further and further on because that is the work of God's Spirit in us. As he brings glory to Jesus and the Father and Jesus points to the Spirit and the Father and the Father points to the Spirit and the Son, it's just this this beautiful thing of how they glorify one another. We're going to talk about that on Good Friday and Easter Sunday a bit. Just this beautiful thing of how God in himself is a community of love and grace. And God has extended that to us and that the more we live with God's spirit, the more we see what God's love actually looks like. And so let's be a people who trust God's spirit to lead and guide us into who we are meant to be as we understand the truths of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask that you would move us to be a people who understand better what the truths of the gospel actually are. And that in so doing, we would just simply fall in love with who you are more and more. And as we fall in love with who you are, our lives would then change. Our lives would reflect better who you are. Not that from today to tomorrow we're completely different, but there is a slow and steady change that you bring about in us as we love you more and more. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in this place this morning and that you would draw every single one of our hearts to acknowledge you, the love of the Father and the redeeming work of the Son and that there would be a depth of growth that happens in us because of who you are and what you've done, and what you continue to do. We ask that in our understanding of praise and worship, we would also worship you. We thank you for being the divine resident of our hearts, and we ask that daily you would make what Christ has done become more and more beautiful to us as we stand in awe of the recognition of the difference between our love and what your love looks like, and that we would reflect who you are by how we live in all things as your people. And we ask this in your son's good name. Amen. So let's drop the curtains. What I want you to do is just take a couple moments as we kind of go through these, these songs and ask God's spirit to give you a deeper understanding of the gospel and a greater love for Jesus, that you may not get what all that looks like right now. And I'm not just talking about it in emotionalism, though it, it does bring emotions. But there is a truth and a beauty to what it looks like to understand Christ's love given to us. So just take a couple moments and say, Spirit, teach me more of the reality of the gospel. Teach me what it looks like to understand Christ's love given to me. And then show me how to begin to share that with those around me as we worship and honor you in all things. Then come take communion, sing some songs, head out into this world. As someone who understands that when you go somewhere and something happens where, where God's spirit's like, hey, love on that person. Hey, maybe you shouldn't say that. Hey, see who Jesus is in this moment. That's God's spirit leading you. Listen to him. Don't shut him out. Listen and live as God's ambassador to this world because you have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ.